Uh, could you do me a favor? Whoa, hello. Uh, before we move forward in our service, would you just turn to somebody next to you? And, if, and by the way, if you're watching online or if you're in one of our microsites, you can participate too. Just wherever you are, just turn. If you're in Starbucks, turn to somebody next to you and just say this. Just say, man, I'm so glad you made it to church. Have you lost some weight? Just say that. That's always a nice thing to say. Just say, I'm so glad you made it to church. You look like you've lost some weight. My name is Ricky, if we hadn't had a chance to meet. Uh, I've been here about 11 years serving alongside of Pastor Miles, and uh, it is such an honor and privilege to be here at, at the Point Loma campus. I mean, the, the Point Loma campus, the one I hear so much about, the Point Loma campus. Uh, we have uh, an opportunity today. I, I'm a, I, let me just uh, tell you, for those of you that do not know our senior pastor, and my pastor is Miles McPherson, and he's the one who started the Rock Church 18 years ago. And uh, I'm going to tell you the reason why he could be 18 years and still going strong is because he listens to the Lord and he knows his limitations, and he's been going fast and furious lately. He has a couple things here at, in San Diego and with this church, but also around the country. He's talking about a book that he wrote. That's, I'm going to tell you what, this book is going to change the nation. It's a relevant and it's a, a necessary book and already it's getting people's uh, interest out there and it's not even out yet. It comes out in the fall. But today, this Sunday, he needed to just take a time to catch his breath and be with his wife. And so, you know, know that you have a pastor that knows his limitations. And if, if you say, yeah, we'll give him a hand. Thank you, Pastor Miles, for honoring your family and showing us that. Uh, so he asked all the campus pastors across all the, the campuses to jump in because we're one church. We have five locations. Actually, we have seven locations. We have five campuses, physical campuses, and then we have microsites that are right now gathering all over San Diego. What's up, microsites? And then we have our online campus. Hey, could you guys do me a favor and just welcome our online campus? Like literally a couple thousand people right now tuning in online. What's up, online campus? Normally, when the campus pastors spe speak, your campus pastor, Pastor Marcus, would be speaking, but he's in, he's in Dallas, Texas, a little family trip, and he's eating barbecue right now. I don't know what time it is there, but he's eating barbecue. <laughs> so he said, hey, would you just come and hang out? So Pastor Miles is gone. So Pastor Marcus is gone. What do you guys want to do? <laughs> it's like the kids are left home, right? Uh, this morning, actually, the Lord, as I, as I was just excited and, and praying and, and considering what to share with you all here, I, I, the Lord gave me a, a, a real clear message and word for, for us. And, and so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible. We're going to be turning. You're not going to see the scriptures up here on the screens. You're just going to have to find it. So if you don't have a Bible here, you're not alone. That's fine. But if you have a cell phone, you can download a free Bible or you can Google a, a verse and it will just show up, right? If, you're, if, you, if you don't have a Bible or a cell phone and the person next to you has a Bible, just take it. It's now yours. Just say thank you. Okay, they'll, they'll figure it out. If you're, if you're online, by the way, just open up another window with a Bible in it. You don't even need a physical Bible. You can look at right there. You're online. And in our microsites, they have Bibles for you there too. But grab a Bible. We're going to look at two Old Testament stories some of you will be familiar with and some of you will not. But, but here's the, the whole goal of today. In looking at these two stories, one we're going to see a story of 12 guys and the other we're going to see a story of a married couple and, and, a, and a very difficult scenario, situation. And, and in that, my goal for us today is that you would, for those of us here that are just kind of floating in life and you don't necessarily understand, know, or recognize your destiny, why you were created, the purpose that God made you, uh, the Lord has that for you. 
He, he already has it for you. He doesn't have to come up with it. That was actually in play before you were even born. So I want you to understand your destiny, but in order to understand your destiny, you have to understand your worth and your value. If you don't understand your worth and your value, you will never understand God's destiny for your life. And you'll be trying to make your own destiny happen. Uh, this morning, I want us to take a look at our worth and value and in and, and doing so, potentially get on track with our destiny. Now, some of you right now, you're saying, well, that's a great message for other people, but I don't need it. How many of you have a, a car in the house today? Any people have a car? Raise your hand if you have a car online. Raise your hand. You got a car? Actually, you probably don't have a car if you're online. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, there's this, this thing on the car, it's called a gas gauge. I'm going to show you a picture of it. Uh, this is a typical gas gauge. Actually, this is a typical gas gauge for me and my family. The gas light is on, right? And, and I love it. I think it's, it's so much fun. My favorite game as a dad, I, I learned this from my dad, is you see how far you can go with that little light on. <laughs> Isn't that fun? And the goal is if you like coast into the gas station, you win. You're like the winner, right? My, my wife hates that game. Uh, I want to point out something unique to this picture that maybe some of you knew existed, maybe you didn't, but you see the little, the little gas pump right there, the white one, not the lit up one, but the white one, it has a, a, what looks like an arrow, it is an arrow, it's a white arrow, it's a little white gas pump, a little white arrow, and it's pointing in a direction. I don't know if you knew this or not, but that little arrow is actually pointing to the side of your car that your gas tank is on. Did you know that? Okay, just raise your hand real quick if, if this is new news, right? Raise your hand if this is not just new news, it's the only thing you're going to get today. You're like, yes, thank you. I learned something in church. Every time I pull into a gas station, I have to go. I've been driving the same car since 1900. You know, I, I, and I, I forget which side of my car the gas tank is on. And I have to look at that arrow almost every time. Is anybody with me or am I just losing my mind? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, here's, here's the deal. This could be a refresher for you. It's okay. Is there's no shame in, in this being a refresh for you. It's okay to admit that every once in a while, even though you have a good grasp of who God is and a relationship with him, you got to just be reminded of your destiny and how your destiny is held within your understanding of his value for your life. So this message is for everybody. I just want to tell you, it's for everybody. It's for me and it's for you. It's for anybody online. It's for anyone that's paying attention. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you if you would pray with me. And then we're going to jump right in to, uh, to our two stories today. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for an opportunity that we have to come and worship you through our song, through our giving, through your word. We thank you for our pastor and that he's taking time off. In the name of Jesus, we pray right now that you would refresh him and renew him. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, by the way, just if you haven't been around, next Sunday you're going to want to come and you're going to want to bring any of your friends that speak Spanish. Okay, our pastor is going to be doing the whole sermon in Spanish. Now, he's going to have a translator for, for those of us that don't speak Spanish. But, he, but he's doing the whole ser sermon translated in Spanish. It's going to be pretty cool. Pray for him. He, that's not his native tongue, by the way. But he has such a heart for the Spanish-speaking community that three years ago he learned Spanish. How's that feel? Just to go like, you know what I think I'm going to do today? Learn Spanish. And then three years later, he's preaching a sermon. He's pretty gifted. I, I tried to learn Spanish and all I got is, lavos los manos, por favor. That's, <laughs> wash your hands, please. That's all I got. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. So it's in, if you open up to the first page, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book in the Bible. Turn to, to, to Numbers chapter 13. 
Numbers chapter 13. Uh, we're going to pick up a story in verse 26. And let me just, let me just set the, set the, the, the stage. Uh, and Numbers 13 is leading up to what happened. God took his, his people from 500 years, 400 years of bondage as slaves. And he took them out of that bondage and he freed them. Remember the Red Sea parted. They went through the Red Sea. Then the enemy tried to chase them and the, it closed. And they, all their enemies were killed and right before their eyes. And then he brings them, which was only 11 miles to this place called the Promised Land. And they're all camped out at the Promised Land. He says, now I want you to take 12 men and I want you to send them in to scout the land, which I'm giving you. You. It's your land. So find 12 guys and then have them go look at the land. And then you can go take the land. That's your land. So, so that's where we pick up the story. And, and uh, Numbers 13 verse 26 says this. Now they departed and then they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness at Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of, from the land. And they told and they told him, and they said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and its fruit is mag mag majestic. Now, these guys all go into the land, and they look, and it's amazing. They see like stuff they've never seen before. It's, that whole phrase, it flows with milk and honey. It's just like there was, there was plenty there. They, I mean, there was just natural resources available for them, and, and trees, and, and, and they were in the desert. They were in the desert, and they get to go into paradise. And not only did they see and report what they saw, but they brought back fruit. And this was like fruit like they'd never seen before. Check it out. This place is amazing. And the fruit, look at the fruit. Then, then comes the next verse, verse 28. And by the way, if you have a Bible, you can write in. Just circle this next word, underline it. Okay, if you're, if you're taking notes online or, or if you're taking notes on a device, just highlight this word. Okay, verse 28 starts with the terrible word, nevertheless. Everybody say, nevertheless, on three. One, two, three. Man, this place is amazing. The fruit's amazing. It's incredible. Nevertheless, and then follows three excuses. Number one, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Excuse number one. Excuse number two, the cities are fortified and very large. Excuse number three. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak was this, this giant nation, the huge people, and they saw those giants there. And then, then the next couple of verses, they go on to list all of their enemies that are living in that place. Man, this place is amazing. We came back with such a, uh, I mean, look at this fruit. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, but, you know, there's no way we can take it because the people are too strong that live there. They're spread out all over and fortified and our enemy is taking over the land. It's like God said, here, just take this. And they said, well, we would, but we would nevertheless. We would. Uh. They had in their grasp, in, the, in their hands, they had this paradise and they lived in the desert. And they said, well, I don't know. Uh, that's happened to me. I can't tell you how many times. I, has it ever happened to you? You have a, an opportunity to, you know, it's, it's right there. It's, the stage has been set. Just all you got to do is sign on the line. All you got to do is step into it. This is yours. You can have this. And you're like, I don't know. And then you miss out on something great. Uh, it happens all over the place. There's a couple famous situations in which I wanted to remind us and maybe it'll make you feel better about what, a, a scenario that happened to you. Okay, so this is a blockbuster video. How many of you still have a blockbuster video card? Yes. Everyone under 30, go ask somebody. Um, Blockbuster video. The executives at one point had an opportunity to purchase Netflix in 2000. And the price tag of Netflix at the time was $50 million. 
The owners of Blockbuster said, there's no way. That's a terrible investment. Uh, in 2018, do you know what Netflix is worth? $115 billion. Man. How about this guy, George Bell? Uh, he had an opportunity to purchase Google. To purchase Google. And the price tag? $715,000. That's like an average San Diego home. Two bedroom, one bath, and lakeside. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I'm not paying that. 2018, do you know how much Google's worth? $101 billion. What? This one killed me. Joe Green, uh, that was Zuckerberg's roommate. And he's, he's on the cusp of something great. He says, all you have to do is join me and we could do this thing great together. And so Joe Green, uh, Zuckerberg's roommate, goes to his dad. Dad, what do you think? And dad's like, it's a terrible investment. I did not send you to this Ivy League school to go run away and do this thing. Say no. So Joe Green says no. In 2018, you know how much Joe Green would be worth? Approximately 200 or $25 billion. Last I heard, he was working at Starbucks. I don't know. <laughs> it's right there. I mean, I'm giving it to you. All you got to do is step in. Oh, it's going to be hard to take that land because of the size of the enemy. Is it? Yeah, of course. But I'm behind you. I'm with you. Your destiny is right before you. I got to take it. And, you know, these 10 guys said, no way. There was only 10 that said, we're not taking it, God. But there was two. They had a different, they had a different perspective. Uh, these two guys, and by the way, the 10 spies that went in before, you know, with these two others, we don't know their names. I don't know their names. I read the story. It's written down, but I don't know who they are. I know the two, though. Joshua and Caleb. You would remember, you'd recognize their names. Joshua and Caleb, young, strapping young men, said, let's do this. In verse 30, you know, they quieted the crowd because they go, you guys, this is wrong. This is our destiny. This is who God said we are going to be in there. Join that. In verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. What's it? Anything. It doesn't matter. We'll overcome it. I don't know what, I'm, what, what to expect, but we're going to go after it. Man, that attitude of Joshua and Caleb, it's just like they knew, they, they knew their destiny. They knew their position. They knew what God was calling them to do. And they're like, we can do it. Now, you guys just be quiet. We, are, we got this thing. Uh, there's a, another person, another little human in my life that has this same perspective about everything. Everything. It doesn't matter what it is. Her name is Shiloh, and she's my, my baby girl. And she doesn't know, I mean, she's little, she's five, so she doesn't know a lot of the details on things. But, man, if you say it's you know, something that she thinks she can do, she will do it. She's a little confused about marriage. I'll tell you what she knows about marriage. She knows that she loves her daddy. He's, he's like her superhero, right? And she knows that, that mommy and daddy are married. That means that daddy and mommy get to live together forever. So she thinks marriage is just, I get to live with daddy forever. So... So listen to her perspective on marriage. This is, this is Shiloh. Do you have a brother? Uh, yeah, his name is Elisha. His name is Elisha? Uh -huh. But what do you call him? I'm Bro Bro. You call him Bro Bro? Yeah. Do you want to marry him when you grow up? No, I want to marry you when I grow up. You have to talk to mommy about that. <laughs> she was mad dogging mommy she's like what I don't know what's in the promised land I'm gonna go after it though I, I don't know what marriage is but I want to be married to that guy he's my favorite guy on the planet and when some 
some clown tries to take her hand. I'm going to show this video to him. Uh, these guys, man, they just knew God was behind it. God's behind it. It must be for us. And then the, then the crowd started to maybe turn. We don't know. But, but suddenly the other ten men speak up. The men who had gone in. They say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We are not able to go up against those people. And then they call it again. They say, the land through which we have gone. So they don't even call it promised land. They just say that land in which we had gone. Let me tell you about that land. There, there we saw giants in verse 33. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers next to these guys. They were giants. We felt like grasshoppers. And in their sight, they saw us as grasshoppers. Who told them that? Nobody told them that. They didn't even talk to these guys. That was just their, their own interpretation of the situation. They said, I'm not going to take what God has given us because, uh, because I feel like a grasshopper. There's some of you that are, are dealing with an addiction, a broken relationship. You lost your job, financial ruin, whatever. And that's, you feel like a grasshopper next to that thing, like these guys. That's not your destiny. That's not what God has for you. That's a, a trial that you're getting through. But you wouldn't know that. In fact, you would, you would reject the destiny God has for you unless you knew who you were. You have to know who you are. You have to understand your identity, your value, your worth. See, the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the 10 is Joshua and Caleb, they knew who they were. They knew how God saw them. Victorious, conquerors. And they were going off of that assumption. And then they could receive their destiny. Some of you have been told the wrong thing and you've listened. For me, it was Mrs. Codwell in fourth grade. I mean, she was kind of mean, and so myself, and I was the ringleader. I'm just going to admit that. And some other boys, we kind of we terrorized her, you know. We, we just had fun. And so one day, Miss Caldwell pulled me aside. And she goes, you, my, my, she said, my menace. She called me a menace. <laughs> and then I kind of felt cool, like, wow, that's like a, that's like, you know, like, can I get a t-shirt that says menace? She said, you will never amount to anything. I'm telling you right now. She had a point in my chest. Fourth grade. I'm sure there's a lot of hurt in her life because as they say, hurt people hurt people. And she was taken out on a fourth grader. But nonetheless, I believed her. And I struggled all through high school. All through high school. I mean, all the way. I mean, now, now mind you, I, I was struggling in grades and I was with classes. But I had a blast. It was like the best six years of my life. You know what I mean? Some of you guys are going to get that later. High school is four years. <laughs> but I'm counting junior college because there's no way I'm going to make college because I'm never going to amount to anything. So right out of high school, I just, I don't even try. I don't take the SAT. I don't study. I just run right to junior college. Not that junior college is bad. If you're going there because you're going to save money and it's furthering your education, awesome. I went there because I wanted to be in high school and they told me I had to leave. Finally, the, the, the career counselor sat down with me at junior college and he says, you're what we call a lifetime student. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. You know, that's, no one's ever said that to me. I go, what does that mean? He goes, it's going to take you a lifetime to get your degree. <laughs> and then when I was 19, somebody introduced me to Jesus and he changed everything. Uh, see, here's what happened. My circumstances didn't change. My 
perspective of myself changed because Jesus was introduced to me as someone who created me in my mom's womb, who had a plan for me, who desired to have time, to spend time with me. I heard when I was 19 for the first time ever in my life that Jesus thinks about me more than there is sand, grains of sand on the seashore. I, and I didn't, I'd never heard that before. God was always this, you know, angry guy with a beard that's just waiting for me to mess up so he can smack me. Now you're telling me he loves me and he wants to have a relationship with me and it changed everything. What changed? This changed. My heart changed. My, my value changed. I, I was ascribed to a different value. I didn't set my own value because I didn't feel like I was worth very much. God gave me my worth. He gave me my value. And then my entire destiny changed. And, and he sent me to Bible college, for, for goodness sake. I never even read the Bible. I was sitting in Bible college and the teacher would say, you know, turn to Hosea or whatever. And I raised my hand. That's not in this Bible. Can I borrow someone's Bible that has that book in it? <laughs> and I graduated with a degree. You know what's crazy? Is I would, after I graduated from college with a degree. And, and by the way, it turns out you can get a solid C and still get a piece of paper saying you got a degree, which is awesome. Right? You don't have to get an A. I'm not asking you to underachieve, but listen, you can do it with a C. And I remember running into people that I went to high school with after I finished my undergraduate. And, and they're like, you, you went to college? I'm like, yeah. You, you graduated? You know, I'm like, yeah. And I don't appreciate what you're incinerating. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was not my environment that, that changed me. It was the spirit of God that changed me. It was his perspective of me that changed me. Uh, and, and Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, I... I I get that. I know how God sees us. You know, it's important for you to take note of your, uh, of your self-worth. What do you, how do you see yourself? What picture are you painting of yourself? Are you even afraid to say, hey, I'm a powerful anointed man of God. I'm a powerful woman of God. Are you afraid to say that because you don't want people to think you're prideful? That's not God's perspective. I, I want us to actually take a look at God's perspective of who we are because apart from the gospel, there's a story that, that when I first heard it, it changed me. I, I, just, I couldn't even wrap my brain around it. And I want us to conclude our time together with that story in here. Okay, so would you just turn your Bibles to Hosea? It's somewhere in the, in the middle. It's, it's one of those real obscure little books. It's it like, like it's right there. You know what I mean? Like just kind of look. If your Bible's about this size, it's, it's right there. It's about an inch in. Uh, Hosea, and, and as you're trying to find Hosea, and if you can't find it, there's no shame in using the concordance or, you know, this thing in the beginning. Ask somebody, can you find it for me? I mean, just don't open up to a random, you know, pretend you're reading. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> You've got to know the book of Hosea. You have to. Why? Because it's a, it's a picture of God's perspective of you. Uh, as you're finding that, let me explain. Hosea was a prophet. And here's what, your job as a prophet, your assignment, God gave you. And sometimes he would give it to you minute by minute. Sometimes you knew from birth. But these assignments these prophets had were crazy. I mean, they were out of control. They were like, wow, Lord, really, are you asking this prophet to do this? This is unbelievable. I can't even believe you're asking him to do that. One prophet had to remain unclothed on the top of a hill for like a year. That's, these things were just crazy. But these prophets, they knew they were just serving God by obeying God. And it was to deliver a message to God's people. This guy in particular, Hosea, and you can, if you find it, Hosea, turn to chapter 3. We're going to read chapter 3 in a minute. But God came to Hosea and he said, I want you, man of God, distinguished, respected man of God. I want you to go into the city. I want you to make your way to the gas lamp district, the red light district. And I want you to, to, 
to find a, a prostitute and you're going to marry a prostitute. Her name is going to be Gomer. And I, and I know, like, I know what you're thinking. It was like what I'm thinking. I'm like, wow, God, that's, why in the world would you ask this man to go and marry a woman whose name is Gomer, you know? <laughs> and then I want you to take her into your home and I want you to have a family with her. So he does, he marries, and he goes and finds this prostitute, Gomer, and he marries her. He brings her into this home, and I'm sure she feels like she doesn't know what to do with this. This is amazing. This man's loving me. And, and then they have a, a child, and then they have another child, and, and then she's pregnant a third time. And God came to Hosea, and he's like, hey, just, I don't want you to be surprised, you know. So this is not, this is another man's baby, your third one. I didn't want you to be at the hospital and be like, man, my son looks just like my brother. This is so weird. It's true. She was unfaithful and she shared your marriage bed and she's pregnant and that's going to be your third child. That's painful. I mean, but if that's not painful enough, he wakes up one morning and he's got these three kids and he's just wondering, where's mom? And he, she's not in the kitchen. She's not outside. She's not in the bedroom and mom's gone. And he becomes a single dad for a little bit, taking care of these three kids. And she was unfaithful and now she just disappears. And then God reveals to him where she is. She's actually right back where you found her. She's in the red light district and she's prostituting herself. And, and guess what? Today, I'm gonna, I want you to go get her. So he walked himself down to this, this, this place and, and there she was. Uh, so in verse 3, we picked up the story up there in, in Hosea 3.3. 3, it says, then the Lord said to me, go again and love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. He's like, this is an example. I'm just using you as an example. Go love her because she's literally walked away from the only good thing in her life. And there he was. You know where he found her? On an auction block at a, say, a sex slave auction. And she was up for bid and men were bidding on her to buy her. And he knew that if he was going to get her back, he'd have to buy her. I can't imagine Hosea, but just for a minute, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Gomer. I mean, she did this to herself. She left something that was really good. But man, it was just so uncomfortable feeling love and acceptance. She's never had that before. She didn't know what to do with that. She tried to be a, husband, a wife and, and, and tried to be a mom. But man, it was just like it was just calling her. Her old self was calling her and she couldn't fight it. And she just showed up there and she sees him. By law, he could have ordered her to be crucified, killed. And they would have had to kill her for, for what she was doing. But I don't know if he's going to do that. I don't know what he's doing. He's quiet. He's standing there. And she's just up for bid. Imagine what's going on in her mind. If I'd only just stayed, why am I here? Or maybe she just felt so riddled with guilt and shame, she didn't even look at him. I saw a video. There's this gentleman by the name of Stephen Burton. I don't know him. I just saw his work. He's a photographer. He made a book, put a book together, and it's called Skin Deep, Looking Beyond the Tattoos. And what he's done is he's worked with some, some gentlemen and women that have been caught up in gangs and drugs and they've been in and out of penitentiaries and they're all marked. Their whole story is written all over their body. And he took a picture of them all marked and then he took that picture and he edited it and took out all the tattoos and he showed these people a picture of themselves without all of their history. And it's an amazing, amazing expression of what would happen if you got a do-over. I'm going to show you. Draw your attention to the screens and check this out. I do look like my son, man. Man, there's no worse for him, man. Man, that's crazy, too. 
It's emotional, you know that? Yeah. I look younger. I look crazy. I look way younger. It's a big difference, man. I love seeing my boy. My five-year-old boy, I love him to death, man. I'll do anything for him. I just don't want him to do nothing. He's already tripping out on my tattoos. He's saying, why do you have horns and stuff like that? Sometimes, sometimes I think in my head, like maybe if I just don't be around him, and like he won't be like me, you know? Like he won't be nothing like me because he won't see me how I am. Oh. That's crazy. So I like once upon a time, and this is I like now. Good. I wish I'd go back to this one right here. Straight up. Girls. I have a lot of regrets with this one right here. Oh man. Yeah. It's a big difference. Look at that. That's, that's, so that's exactly how it would look without them. Yeah. I think my grandmother will probably trip out. I'm gonna show her. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give her these. Cause when I when she first saw me, like my grandma right here, and like she started crying. Damn, that's crazy. Tore myself apart like that. Huh? That's how it looked. find those guys the first guy Carlos he had already started on the process of getting his tattoos removed uh, some of those guys I don't know if you heard it it was a little muffled but the one guy said man I don't even I think sometimes I shouldn't even spend time with my son because he sees all this and he's asking about the tattoos and I just I want to find every one of those guys and go man you don't need a photoshop to feel that way your heart can get that God can do that in your heart he can make you new and then big I, I beg him if I could, like, would you just, would you try to see yourself through the lens of God, how he sees you, how he values you, and forget about all that other stuff, man. And then you can step into your destiny of what he has designed for you from day one. I mean, before you were born even. I don't know if I can do that with those guys, but that's exactly what happened with Gomer. It's just crazy. He says in verse two, this is what he did. He knew he couldn't just take his wife, but she was his. She was his wife. You can't have her. You have to buy her. So in verse 2 it says, So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. I, everything in Scripture is very intentional. You just have to know that. You know what the number of 15, the silver, 15 shekels of silver, 15 is, is the, the biblical number for rest that comes after deliverance. One and a half of, of a measure of barley. One meaning the supremacy of God. Five meaning grace. A silver, it's, a, it's a, a material that represents truth and divinity of God. Barley, it represents the goodness of God and the lostness of humanity. The whole story of Jesus is right there, just in what he paid for his wife. If I recall, there's also a verse in Psalms 24 that says, The earth and everything in it is God's. Yet he paid the price of his son. He bought something that was already his, just like, just like Hosea did. And then maybe you would think, okay... He got her off of that auction block as it cost him. It cost him dearly to get her back. Maybe he'd give her the silent treatment on the way home. Maybe he's wrestling with how to talk to her. And she, I'm sure, was just quiet. She comes off of that auction block, maybe stripped. He takes her by her hands. And you know what happens next? 
this should change your life. And I said to her, off the auction block, I just paid for something that was already mine. And he looks at her and he says, you shall stay with me for many days and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have any other men. You're going to come and live with me and we're going to be together. You get that? Don't play the harlot. It's not who you are. So don't even pretend that's you. You're just going to come to be with me and forever we're going to be together. You don't understand that that's what God, he actually had Hosea physically represent how he sees us. And her entire destiny was changed. And now this woman who was pretending, she was just trying to find identity and value and worth. And, and her destiny was going down a road of destruction and death and pain and sorrow. And now all of a sudden she has new identity. You're a mom, you're a wife, and that you will be forever. You are not a harlot. Listen, I want to tell you, you are not the sum of your mistakes, family. You are not what you did wrong. No, no, God sees you and he says, I would... If you were it, I know I own you. If you were the only person on planet, I would have bought you back. I'm wondering if you know that today. Because if you understand that, like Caleb and Joshua, then you're okay stepping into a destiny that you're unfamiliar with, that you're afraid of, that you're not sure about. Okay, God, I'm going to do it your way. And that's scary. And by the way, when Caleb and Joshua took the people eventually into the promised land, you know when it was? 40 years later. Because God said, if you're not going to listen to me, the 10 spies, then you're going to not get it. And those 10 spies died before he allowed the other two of the 12 to enter. Man, don't miss out on what God has for you, family. Because he has something for you. Believe me, his destiny for you is incredible. Uh, would you just do me a favor? In this room, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're listening online, would you also, it doesn't matter if you're at Starbucks or at your house, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this room, why did I ask you to do that? Because I don't want you to get distracted if there's movement. Man, this is so important. This is crucial for your future. If you're at home, you can get distracted by your dog or your cat or if you're at Starbucks. Just get into a headspace where you can hear God, please. I want you to understand God says you are perfectly and wonderfully made. That I created you in your mom's womb. I knit you together piece by piece. And I knitted you together for a specific purpose. Your destiny I have right here in the palm of my hand. And all you have to do is step into it. Yes, you're afraid. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, I'm not giving you all the answers. You're going to have to figure it out. But I'm giving you enough to send you in that direction. But you have to let go of your own personal perspective of yourself. Your value is more than you think. Believe me. You know, Hosea's name means salvation and Gomer's name means complete. In this place today, God wants to make his salvation complete in you by you just surrendering. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end our service in, in this way. On the count of three, I'm going to invite two groups of people to do two separate things. So listen to me, okay? I'm going to count to three with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. And if you identify with Gomer, I don't understand who I am. I feel more comfortable in my garbage. And you're missing out on what God has for you and what God thinks about you. I'm going to ask you to stay right where you're seated. And one of our prayer team or one of the next crew is going to come to you. And you're just going to raise your hand. When I say one, two, three, you're going to raise your hand and just sit there. And you're going to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Uh, but then there's a whole other group of you. I know because I know our church well. This room is packed full of Joshua and Caleb's that say, hey, I don't get it all. I'm, I'm still 
have fear. I don't even know all the answers, but man, I'm just stepping into my destiny and I don't care if I have it all figured out or not. I'm going to do it. And you're on fire. You're on fire. You're moving forward and you see yourself. You look in the mirror and you say, I am a, a, a child of God. I am dearly beloved. I am sought after and God does think about me every second of every day and he does have a calling on my life and he has given me power and authority. Some of you are in that position. And when I count to three, if that's you with absolutely no judgment or condemnation, you stand to your feet because around you, there's gonna be a lot of people who raise their hand. So when I get to three, you're gonna raise your hand if you want prayer. And when I get to three, you're gonna stand to your feet if you're gonna deliver prayer. And you may have never ever even prayed out loud with somebody, but you know who you are. You're gonna jump up and you're gonna go after someone who has their hand raised. And if you're online, when I count to three, if you need prayer, you're gonna go right into that chat room and you're gonna say, pray for me. On the count of three, to our online community, you're gonna ask prayer through their chat. If you're here and you need to know your identity, you're gonna raise your hand and stay seated with your head bowed. If you're here and you're Joshua and Caleb, you're gonna to jump to your feet and you're gonna find anybody, anybody, anybody who has their hand raised. And who knows, this may be the start of your R group right here, right now. Are we ready? God, thank you for what you're about to do in this place. One, two, three.